Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's love Him, Lord. We love you today. We've come to worship you. We've come to worship you. We've come to worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. At the end of this service, during the altar call, there's going to be a breakthrough. I'm telling you, there's going to be a breakthrough in your family. There's going to be a breakthrough in your mind, a breakthrough in your spirit. The Lord is going to move in this place in a mighty way. He's going to break some chains. Somebody say amen. The book of Daniel chapter 10, the book of Daniel chapter 10, reading with verse 12. We're so glad to have everybody here. All of our guests, we welcome you. Brother, Sister Redmond, so good to see you here. Amen. Welcome home. So glad you're here. Amen. All of those that are in the building, we're so thankful. I'm going to jump into the word of the Lord. I do want to say it's good to have Lily Dykus with us all the way from Arkansas. She is she's a student at Urshan Urshan College and is interning here living with Sister Helen Spring. That's going to be a treat. She's going to be interning here and helping us at the church and we're thankful. Would you welcome her? Amen. She's going to be here through May. Wave your hand over there, Sister Lily. We're so glad you're here. The book of Daniel chapter 10 reads with verse 12. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. I talked about prophets last Sunday at 10 a.m. Here is a prophet of the Lord, Daniel. How many remember the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? Were minor prophets less than major prophets? No, the books were just shorter. Like a long-winded preacher and a short-winded preacher. As long as I get the point across in 15 minutes, we're all right. And um, major prophets, minor prophets. Daniel, in this, in this word of the Lord, you'll find that the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Whew. Prayer changes things. But there are some times we pray to feel like God didn't hear us because it didn't happen right now. Any believers here ever had a moment of doubt? You prayed, but it hadn't happened yet. You fasted, but it hasn't happened yet. Anybody have some prayers out there that haven't been answered yet? Verse 13. He said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, Michael the archangel is who that is, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Praise God. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. He was praying for Israel. So hungry to see God free his people that he fasted for 21 days. After 21 days of fasting, the angel showed up and said, 
He heard you on the first day. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean the answer is not on its way. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, He heard you on the first day. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to take a moment to set the foundation of what I'm going to be preaching today. To understand the setting of Daniel as Pastor Cody taught us this morning that the Bible is not written chronologically. We read our Bibles from Genesis to Revelation, but truth of the matter is you can't read your Bible the way you do a storybook. It doesn't unfold that way. You, you will find, and I'll, I'll give you an example if they will throw the Old Testament up there for me today. You, you will find some interesting things, and probably three or four years ago, I, I, read, I began to read the Bible somewhat in chronological order, meaning in, as, as it was day one after uh, day two after day one type of thing. But I started in the book of Jeremiah, and I read Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Those are written in chronological order. Jeremiah is the prophet that prophesied to the children of Israel, because of your idolatry, you're going to go into Babylon to a strange land, and under Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be there for 70 years. Oh, there were prophets disagree with him, and they died because of their false prophecy. But he said, you're going to Babylon, and you're going to be invaded by Babylon, and they're going to take you out of Jerusalem, out of the Holy Land, and you're, you're going to be taken away for 70 years. Jeremiah was the prophet that prophesied that would happen, and that's exactly what happened. Three invasions, they came into Jerusalem and took the children of Israel into Babylon. Not just Babylon, but they were scattered all over Persia, which was the bigger picture. Babylon, let's just say Babylon is Ohio. O-H? Boy, you're all quick, you know. If, if Ohio would be Babylon, then that meant that the United States would be like Persia. And so Babylon was a part of Persia, but it was not all of Persia. But when they went into Babylon, the Nebuchadnezzar attacked them, and they were scattered all over Persia as well. You will find that they were there for 70 years, and Jeremiah's prophecy comes true. He's the prophet before what is known as the Babylonian captivity, as theologians would say. But Ezekiel becomes the prophet five years into their captivity, he starts prophesying. He starts prophesying things like this. He starts saying things like this. When the judgment of God comes, when the sword or the pestilence or the noisome beast that he, he calls it or, or famine, the judgment of God would come against you. He said even the children of Job and Daniel and Noah can't, can't be freed from that judgment. Because of their righteousness. How many know Noah, Daniel, and Job were considered righteous men? Pretty much some of the perfect, not there's no one perfect, but they were pretty perfect characters in Scripture. He said their righteousness is not going to keep their children from, from being exempt from the judgment of God. What it's saying is if you walk away from God, judgment is coming to your house. Your children walking away from God. You living right is not going to keep them from God doing what he does, needs to do to get their attention. That's what it is saying. 
And Daniel was prophesying in the midst of the sword judgment, which would be captivity overtaken by an enemy by the sword, which was Nebuchadnezzar. God used Nebuchadnezzar to shake up Israel. God uses judgment to get people's attention. I know we don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. The prodigal son was willing to come home because he found himself in a situation where no man gave into him. And he was hungry and he almost fed his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And he came to himself and said, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I think I'll go to my father's house where there's food enough to spare, where even the servants have enough to spare. Can I say God knows how to get your attention? God will use judgment to get your attention. Scripture even teaches us that God created evil and good. Even Paul made the statement. He said, even a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. God can use the devil as a pawn to get somebody's attention. You can't bless something that God's cursing. You can't. You can't bail somebody out that God's trying to get their attention. Preacher one time was trying to help somebody in a, in a situation. So the Lord spoke to him and said, Every time I put him in a situation to get his attention, you bail him out. Quit. And sometimes God has a way to get people's attention, letting trouble come to their life, pestilence come to their life. He removes every good thing from their life. The Bible says they will, they will eat and not be filled. They will drink and become thirsty. They'll put money in a bag that has holes in it. What's he talking about? He said, I will bring them to a place where they can't succeed without me. And when they get to that point, wherever they are, no matter how far they are on the way, that when they turn to me and repent, I will make a way for them to come home and be blessed in the place where I've called them to be. Somebody say amen. I want you to say with me, God knows how to get your attention. Ezekiel stands up in the middle of Babylonian captivity and he said you can't run from the judgment of God. God has brought you to judgment. But in the middle of that, Ezekiel starts prophesying this powerful prophecy and he stands and God takes him to the valley of dry bones where it will look like hopeless Israelites that have withered away. It's a valley filled with, with soldiers that had once were victorious, once were mighty, that were nothing but a valley full of dry bones. And the Lord says to the prophet, can these bones live? And Ezekiel looks out of the valley of dry bones. He said, well, thou knowest. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Start prophesying to the wind. Speak to the wind. He said, I want you to start prophesying to the bones. Start speaking. And all of a sudden, there became a shaking going on. And this, this, this toe connected to this foot, and this foot, and the ankle bone connected to the shin bone. Y'all remember that in Sunday school? To the knee bone, to the thigh bone to the backbone, all the way up until the bones came together. He started prophesying and, and meat and sinew came and life came to them and a valley stood up of dry bones into a mighty army. What Ezekiel was prophesying was in the midst of Babylonian captivity. Are you ready? It looks hopeless, but when God has the last word, it doesn't matter how long they've been away. It doesn't matter how dry the situation seems. God's not done with them yet. And when he starts prophesying in the midst of the valley, there's life coming back to that hopeless backslider. There's life coming back to that saint that walked away. In captivity, 
You have the restoration ministry of Ezekiel. Don't think for a minute, I'm just up here preaching sermons to make you feel better. When I get up here and I start prophesying they're coming home, you know what I'm saying? Let the wind blow on the dry bones of a backslider. Let the wind blow on somebody that's walked away from God. Let the bones live. In the last two weeks, God has been bringing people to my dreams that have walked away from the church because he's not finished. He's not done. Can I say the worst thing you can do is when somebody's in captivity is to quit, is to stop, is to quit believing. Let God do in them what only he can do. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that there's a fornicator among you, somebody that cannot stop fornicating. He said, turn them over out of the church to Satan. That's what the Bible says. Why? To get their attention. Not to be destroyed by Satan, but because the, whoo, I feel this. Because the devil has limitations. He can create some problems in their life only to a point that they say, what in the world am I doing living in sin? I don't belong here. I know where the peace of God is. I know where the joy of the Lord is. I'm going home. And you know what God does? He makes a way for you to come home. He makes a way for you to be restored. He makes a way for you to be healed. That's right. It doesn't sound fair if we would say, well, turn them over to Satan. I mean, that's not Christian terminology. Well, pastor, I just turn them over to the devil. Don't say that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what it's saying is you can't, you can't bless somebody that's living in sin. You can't bless somebody that won't listen to counsel. You can't help somebody that has idols of the world. What you've got to do is turn them over to the Lord and let the Lord use the devil as a pawn. Listen, when he came against Job, he came against Job with limitations. He could touch some things but not everything. And I'm telling you, Nebuchadnezzar could do some things with the Israelites, but he couldn't do everything. He couldn't destroy them. He couldn't kill them. He couldn't wipe, wipe them out. And in 70, are y'all getting what I'm saying? I mean, remember a moment in your life, you got, you got bound by things you couldn't get out of when you were backslid. How many had the sword to come against you? I've seen people fall into sickness that got their attention. They came back to the Lord. I have. I've seen people that have famine. Everything they tried to succeed in was removed from them until they couldn't succeed and it got their attention. What am I doing? I'm losing everything. I'm at the, I'm at the end of my rope and all of a sudden something comes to them like the prodigal says, I don't belong here. I'm a child of another nation. What am I doing living away from God when I'm the son of God? Come on, we're in a kingdom. We're in a kingdom. It's quiet right now because you're thinking about who's cursed and who's not. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Let's throw this out there. John 10, 10. For the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he said, but I've come to give you life. And when you walk away from the Lord, sometimes God just pulls his hand back. He stops blessing. He stops giving. He, he, will, he will limit the devil in your life. But he's not going to bless you. But he will limit the enemy that's in your life. But that enemy will bring you to a point that gets your attention that says, I need God in my life. It's the curse of the transgressor. The Bible clearly states that the way of the transgressor is hard. It's the difference between the way of the sinner and the way of the transgressor. You can sin and not transgress, but you can't transgress and not be a sin. 
The difference between a sinner and a transgressor is the sinner, a sinner can be ignorant, not know that it's sin. They just seek the pleasure of their own flesh. But a transgressor knows the law and knows better, but does it anyhow. And that's why the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. They know the law, but they choose to walk away doing their own thing. And Israel did it over and over and over again. And God would, uh, I, I, I preached it last week, I, no, I won't stay there, but Solomon said if they turn their back on you and you go and you shut up the heavens and you send the pestilence, how many know that, that the rain doesn't fall and, and, and the sword comes and he starts naming those things that will come. He even told Moses, he said, if my people go into idolatry and, and they, they, they sin comes in their life and you scatter them to the uttermost parts of the heavens, Lord, if they will turn to you again, will you not gather them back to the fold? That was Moses' prayer. That was the law. That sin separates. Sin divides. Can I say, you can't mix righteousness and sin. It's quiet in here. If you've ever walked away from the Lord, you know what I'm telling you is true. You ended up in places you never thought you'd go. You did things you never thought you'd do. You became someone you never thought you'd become. And you get stuck and caught Unable to get back. And that is where Daniel comes in. The book of Daniel is pretty interesting. You throw it up there because Jeremiah prophesied before the captivity. Everybody just shout captivity. Jeremiah prophesies, you're going into captivity. Ezekiel was in the middle of it saying, you're not going to be here forever. How many believe that? Man, I feel such a witness of the Spirit. Ezekiel, then, then Daniel. Daniel, Daniel is, is the prophet at the end of the 70 years. And he steps into chapter 9 of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. And um, are you all with me right now? And uh, I, want, I want to help you. Because we're at the end of the captivity. How many's ever had, you don't have to raise your hand. I mean, this is, don't, don't respond to this. Just, have you ever been there where it looked like God had left you alone? And it got your attention. No peace. I'll never forget the guy that knocked on my dad's door. His name was James. 11 o'clock at night, he knocked on our house. I was home still and knocked on the door of the house and, and uh, I'd hung cabinets with him at one point as a young teenager, just as a side job, working with him, hanging kitchen cabinets. And when he saw me, I hadn't seen him in years. He was, he was away from the Lord. He's backslid. And uh, even Jeremiah talks about backslid, backsliders. And uh, he was, he knocked on the door at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, he probably shouldn't lock on anybody's door at 11 o'clock at night. I knew when somebody's pounding the door. Pounding the door. I went to the door. James there. He didn't say, hey, Aaron, how are you doing? He said, where's your dad? Are you okay? He said, I need your dad. Uh, I ran into the house, or ran to the living room and, or the kitchen, wherever dad was at a late night. And I said, dad, James is at the door and needs you. And my dad went there and he said, I can't feel God. That's what he said. Pastor, I'm lost. I can't feel God. I'm trying to pray. I can't feel God. 
He was numb emotionally. He couldn't feel. There was no peace. There was no joy. There was nothing. Because you can live for, without God for a period of time, but this is going to like the oil in your lamp's going to run out. He had run out. I can't feel God. Pastor, I can't feel God. Dad went over to the church and prayed and prayed and prayed. Best. It was a long time, but finally he broke through and heaven came, the rain. We call it, I feel rain falling down. Let it rain. We're talking about feeling the presence of God. He said, finally the rain of God came upon him and James began to be thankful that he could feel God again because he thought he was forever lost. The absence of God drove him back to the church. And what God will do to get your attention because eternity is so long that life is so short. He will remove every good thing from your life even if he has to remove hell as an act of mercy to get you where you're supposed to be. Oh God, I, I pray that for me. Lord, if I'd ever walk away, get my attention, but don't bless me to be lost. I don't want to think, feel good about doing wrong. Anybody with me right now? And, uh, and if you look, that Ezekiel prophesied, it looks like it's over. Valley full of dry bones, but he said they're going to live and begin to speak life. I'm going to tell you what you need. You don't need somebody just judging you, according to the word. You need somebody to speak life back into you. You've got to have mercy and judgment in the balance of preaching. Come on, we can get up and just say, oh, just come as you are, live how you want to, the grace of God, you're going to be okay. He loves everybody. And you, you live a life of sin thinking you're okay and wander away and live in misery and bondage and addictions and sin and chaos and confusion and think you're okay. Can I tell you, that's not the grace of God. You need somebody that says, the wages of sin is death. You do this, this is going to happen. It's all through the scripture. But you can't just have somebody preaching about the judgment of sin. You've got to have somebody say, I don't care how far gone you've been. If you will turn to the Lord, he can free you of that. You can come home. You can be set free. You can be merciful. You can be saved. Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him is sin. And the wages of sin is death. And Israel for so long, mercy after mercy, prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher, stepped in and began to say, turn from the idols, leave the Canaanites alone, step away from these things. It was the law to not marry a Canaanite. Don't worship their gods. Don't love what they love. Don't, I mean, no, this is preaching. This is the word of the Lord. The prophets would say, this is the law. Stay away. Did you know that David married a Canaanite by the name of Maaka, who was the daughter of a Canaanite king? He married Maaka, and guess what she gave birth to? Absalom. And Absalom dethroned David in his future. Whatever reason he thought that he could disobey the word, disobey the law, later dethroned him. Can I say, God's not trying to keep you from pleasure. He's not trying to keep you from something good. The whole purpose of preaching against sin is to keep you out of bondage, to keep you out of chaos, to keep you out of confusion, to keep you out of being blessed. Somebody say amen. And through the years, the kings and different leaders begin to say, this is okay. And Jeremiah said, because of your idolatry, he said, he said, you're going into bondage. You get there and they're in the midst of bondage. They're not living in their house. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not in Jerusalem. There's no temple. There's no altar of worship. And Ezekiel starts prophesying, it's not going to be like this forever. Tell your neighbor, they're not going to be gone forever. How many have somebody you love that's out of the church? 
I mean, it's hard when you see desolation come to them. Chaos and confusion come to their mind and spirit and life. You begin to see the absence of God. You begin to see maybe even the judgment of God. It looks like the devil's taken over and you think the devil's got them. The truth of the matter is, it's only for a season. Because the power of faith is when they turn and say, I don't belong here. That's why the church has to be like this. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say come. It's not just God that says it's time to come home. I mean, know that the church has got to be willing to say, come home. Not I told you so. You should have, you, you, you did this. You shamed the church name. Oh, no, 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 no. When God gets their attention, they come home. We got the arms stretched out and say, there's a place for you here. God's got a plan for your life. Oh, let the bride say amen. And so watch this. And so Daniel is a prophet that's called for a specific time. I believe we are called for a specific time. He understood the times. He's not just a prophet. He was called for this specific moment. What moment? The end of the captivity. I believe we have been called for this time. I believe we have been called to this now. And the Bible says in Daniel 9. Are y'all on the same? Are y'all caught up on time with me right now? We're coming out of bondage right now. That's where we're at. We're going to come out of bondage. And look where we are. Almost to the end of the 70-year prophecy of Jeremiah. Ezekiel said it's coming out. We are right here. Some believe it's three years until exit time. That Daniel, in the first year of Darius, he, he in verse 2, says in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. Are y'all there? Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet. That he would accomplish what? 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Pastor, why have you called five weeks of fasting? I'm going to tell you why. Because I know what time it is. We are at the end of somebody's captivity. We're at the end of the judgment being on somebody's life for a period of time. We are at the end of somebody in the, in the turmoil of godlessness and sin and bondage. And Daniel said when I read the book, speaking of Isaiah or speaking of Jeremiah, when I read the book and know what time it is, he said, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek my prayer. Supplication would be like a defense attorney for somebody you want to see get out of trouble. That's what supplication is. You are, you are pleading the cause of someone else. Can I read you the prayer today? He said, and I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity, have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened to thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. He was saying, we were warned by the men of God, but we didn't listen. He said, O Lord, righteous, righteousness belongeth unto thee, 
But unto us, confusion of faces as at this time. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all of Israel that are near and that are what? Far off. Y'all haven't lost you, have I? This is the prayer of the prophet. That are far off. He said, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them. Speaking of those 127 provinces of Persia. He said, because of their trespass. That they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belong a confusion of face. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers. Because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and what? Forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us. Is it biblical or is it not? Walk away from his ways and the curse comes. He said... He said, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. How many of you ever walked away from God and you felt the curse of God on your life? Anybody? Felt the judgment upon your life? God, what have I done? And you come to a moment that you thought sin was going to be this, but then, how many know the pleasure of sin is only for a, then it becomes what? Bondage curse. Boy, it's so quiet in here. Y'all making me all nervous. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor, tell me how good I am. You don't need to be told how good you are when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. We don't come just to hear the word of a man. And some people want validated, not instructed. And I'm going to tell you something I've learned over the years. If you correct an insecure person, they feel attacked. If you correct a competent person, they feel instructed. And you can't let the devil cause you to live in insecurity because of the way you were raised or what you went through. you got to come to the house of God and say, don't let me be lost. Show me what I need to do to be right with God. Don't let me feel good about doing wrong. Preach to me, pastor. Bring a man of God that can tell me what I need to do. Wherefore shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Oh God, the Bible says, be careful, Timothy, in that day. You will heap to yourselves teachers having itching ears. You will turn into fables and, to, and, and fables and just stories to, just, just to comfort a, a generation that, that, is, that has become so, so misconstrued through the doctrines of Hollywood, through the immoralities and political positions to make people feel good about doing things that are absolutely abhorrent to God. And it, it leaks from political platforms and, 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 and cultural Concepts and it slips into the church to where we say, don't cross me where I'm wrong. I have my own rights. I'm, I'm my own person. If I want to do this, I want to do that, it's my right because we're in a land of America. We're the land of the free. We don't need anybody to instruct us. And it leaks into the home to where the kid becomes the, the authority in the house. And how dare you tell me? How dare you, Mom, tell me what, when I need to be in? How dare you tell me what I'm supposed to do? Don't you know I was born this way? You weren't born that way. God made you a certain way. Somebody's got to wake up. Somebody's got to wake up. I don't want that stuff leaking into our homes, leaking into our marriage. 
false doctrines and false ways. I come to tell you it's not the will of God. The Bible says the first commandment with promise is to honor them, is to honor thy mother and thy father, and thy days shall be long upon the earth. But in the last day, it is a spirit of iniquity that is moved to say, I don't need any authority. I don't need any guidelines. I don't need anybody telling me. And you know what you say? I'll just do it my way. Can I tell you? Your way is a way to destruction. The Bible says it's actually her way. Proverbs 7, which is talking about the way of sin. It is her path is the way to hell. She's cast down many wounded and many strong men have been slain by her. I come to tell you, we need a preacher. We need a daddy. We need a mom that can preach us out of what the devil's trying to bring us into. Confusion like we've never seen it. Confusion confusion on every level. Confusion of identity. Confusion of authority. Confusion of what people believe. Why? Weak pulpits. Don't want to listen to the prophet. Don't want to listen to the man of God. Don't want to listen to what thus saith the Lord because it might disagree with what I've been entertaining myself with all week. It might disagree with my superstar, the person I've got the poster of hanging on my wall, the way they live. I, I, we, we become emotionally connected to people that are not of God. And we've got to be careful that we don't create idols that are ungodly. He said, when you come into the promised land, you get the pictures of Canaanites off your wall. That's not the way I want you to live. That's not why I want you to look like, act like, be like, think like. I want you to come out. I want you to come out. I'm going to tell you where we're in trouble and I'm the pastor here today and I feel something in the Holy Ghost. We cannot mix the world and the church. You cannot mix culture and righteousness. You've got to make up in your mind, I am going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. May I remind you, this is not a Sunday event. This is a Sunday through Sunday. Come on, it's not something I do on Sunday. And Monday through Saturday, I live my life and come back and beg God to forgive me because I've done it my way. No, 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 no. This is something that I don't do. This is what I've become. In every corner, there's something flirting with you, trying to get you away. He said, I'm warning you. He said, don't look to the left and don't look to the right. He said, I'm warning you. Don't get your eyes on the Canaanites. Don't get your eyes on the way of the world. Because it won't be long, you'll be worshiping what they're worshiping. Let me put it in our terms. You'll be loving what they love. All of a sudden, you go to church because you have to, but you really want to be somewhere else. You read your Bible because he talked about it, but you really would rather be entertained by something else because your desires change. You can be seated. And Daniel understood this concept. He understood what had happened. He understood how they ended up. There's a verse that says, How are the mighty fallen. You realize people I used to minister to, minister with over the years growing up, they don't live for God. Sin, transgressions. Somewhere it got into the heart of a preacher. I know I sound stern and strong, but I am. Somebody's got to be. I've heard from the Lord. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know I don't want to fall. Come on, I don't want to fall. I'm not a doomsdayer, but look what happened to Rome because they just let anything go on, any way go on. And America's fallen into the same trap. And you believe whatever, do whatever, and all of a sudden to be right is wrong, to be wrong is right. He said, in that day you'll call good evil and evil good. That's where we are. Now the Christian way is the evil way. Oh, the Christian way is the wrong way. That is, that is where we are. It's where we are. 
Here we are at a day that is such a key moment because we are standing at the threshold of the end time. We're standing at the threshold of the coming of the Lord. But just before he comes, there's going to be one more gathering. There's going to be one more call that goes forth. It's going to be as powerful as the call that went during Noah's Ark to gather all those animals from different lands. They were two in the field. One would lift its head and starts making its way to the ark. I am convinced in the last day there's going to be one more call. And they're coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And they're saying, I don't want to live in this world anymore. I want to be this. Come on, I'm preaching to some righteous people. How many believe there's one more call? Elbow your neighbor and say, there's one more call. There's about to be one more moment. And I tell you what, let me, let, me, let, me, let me keep reading this prayer. I want you all to pray this prayer this week. That's why I'm doing it. Daniel 9, he goes on and says that they might not obey. He said, yea, all of Israel, verse 11, have transgressed thy law even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us. He said, I'm living in it. He said, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. It's not against the preacher. I can't tell you how many times I've taken it personal. But it's not against me. It's against him. He says, Samuel, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. And he said, and he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, against our judges that judged us by bringing up on us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truths. He said, we were warned, but we didn't turn. The preacher preached, but we didn't respond. We didn't understand. We lost our understanding even what we were doing and why we live the way we live, believe the way we believe. We, we've got to have teaching. Ye err not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. Now ah, there's a heavy anointing upon me right now. He said this, therefore hath the Lord, hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now the problem's not him, the problem's me. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, has gotten thee renowned. And as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Our Lord, according to all thy righteousness. If you're watching online today, you need to get on your knees and say, I'm the problem. It's not where I was raised, how I was raised, who offended me, who did this, God. I made a conscious decision to walk away from your word. And Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me. So let the church say amen. He said, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness. He said, he said I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury, everybody say, be turned. Be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins. I am preaching to you what I am preaching a story that is the answer to Solomon's prayer that I preached about last week. I don't care how far they're gone. If they will turn to the mountain where Abraham offered Isaac, David paid the full price, Solomon built his temple. I don't care how far gone they are. I don't care what they've done against your name. No matter how bad they've been, if they will face the mountain and repent, hear them from heaven 
And it was there last week I said, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. That's what he's praying. He is praying Solomon's prayer that said, God, they've been in bondage for 70 years. But Lord, I'm going to be the first one to repent. It starts with the preacher. God, forgive me our transgressions, our fathers, our leaders, our daddies. Forgive us for the decisions we made. Oh God, would you turn your anger away from us? Do you hear the prayer of Daniel? He said, Lord... He said, Jerusalem, thy people, now therefore our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication. God, would you forgive? Would you forgive my son? Lord, would you give, forgive my family? Would you forgive my niece and nephew? Would you forgive my mom and dad? Oh God, they sin, they transgress. They're away from you. They're not where they should be. But Lord, I w- I, I'm asking you to cause, verse 17, thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. May his favor be upon them again. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. I haven't hit Crocker Barrel time, have I? Can I have a few more minutes? Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but before your great mercies. We're not praying because we've done it right. We're praying because you're the only one that's right. I'm not praying because I've proven myself. I've done the opposite. But you're a God of great mercy. And God, we're in a mess. And you're the only one who can get us out. See what our children need to know. What this church needs to know. He will not hold his anger forever. He will not hold his anger. He's slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. I come to tell you, I don't care what type of mess you're in. God is about to bring you out. What your sin got you into, your repentance is going to get you out of. I want everybody to say supernatural prayers. Oh Lord, verse 19, hear, oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, oh my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. I want you to say this, say this just because they're out of the church doesn't mean they're out of his hand. It looks like They've been given over to the devil. But it doesn't mean the devil has control of their life. He has limited (laughs) the nature of the devil is to drag somebody through the mud. The nature of the devil is to drag them down, but he can't kill them. He can come against them. I'm preaching to some people right now and revelations come to you. It is. You're like, oh my God. I, I have worried about this, thinking they were serving the devil. They're not. God just pulled his hands off for a period of time, get their attention. Because you know what, the, what was going to happen? I'm going to show you what was going to happen. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord. Hearken unto, de- defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy, by thy, thy name. Everybody shout, they are called by your name. And whilst I was speaking and praying, 
and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication, pleading their cause before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Talking about the church. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Now here's, here's my fear of preaching. That something moves me doesn't move you. That I'm up here in my own little world and you're not getting what I'm saying. I, I'm talking to some parents right now. You have fretted over your babies. There are saints in here that have fretted over people that you loved and reached and cared for because it looks like the devil has a hold of them. Well, there's a Daniel praying. And he's saying, Lord, I can't keep them forever. I'm asking you to hear my prayer. And while he's praying, while he's praying, the archangel himself, Gabriel, shows up, which is a ministering angel. There's a difference between ministering angels and warring angels. The ministering angel shows up to him. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel. I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. I'm telling you, I have come forth as a man of God today. Do you know what the word Gabriel means? Man of God. It's the definition of Gabriel. The whole purpose of preaching is for you to understand the times and what God is doing now. He didn't call me to be a preacher in the 1940s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s. He called me for this moment. And I know what I've heard from the Lord. It's at the end of their captivity. It's at the end of the judgment in their life. And I've come to tell you what I've heard from God. Hallelujah. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And he goes on and talks about what is going on and what God is going to do. I want you to shout, God is going to bring them out. I mean, no, it's Genesis, then what? You know what Exodus was? It was the coming out of Egypt. I shout to you right now, there's about to be a great Exodus of the people of God. There's about to be an Exodus. There's about to be an Exodus. Believers from around the world are going to be shaken. They're not going to be shaken because of good preaching. They're not going to be shaken because of a 15, 20-minute sermon that just pacified a cultural experience in Christianity in a worship set. And I've come to tell you that God is about to bring a great exodus. North, the south, the east, the west, they're going to come out of bondage. They're going to come out of captivity. They're going to come out of false doctrine. I wish somebody would get excited with me. Look at your neighbor and say, there's about to be an exodus. Any, any of you have a baby that needs it? Needs an exodus. Any of you have a family member who needs to come out? Come on. I want you to jump to your feet with me right now. Clap your hands and shout, there's about to be an exodus. Come on, there's about to be an exodus. We're at the end of somebody's captivity. Mama, don't you dare stop praying. 
Daddy, don't you dare stop praying. Come on, child. Don't stop praying for your dad and for your mom. There's about to be an exodus. They're going to say, I'm going home. I'm going home. I don't have anything left here. I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. It's not worked out the way I thought it would work out. I'm going home. I'm going back because God is removing the transgressions from me. The entire purpose of Babylonian captivity was to burn out transgression. You read it and you find it from Gabriel. He's going to burn out the transgression. Can I, can I close on this point? How many are glad you came home? I'm getting ready to preach Brother Don Clark's funeral on Tuesday. Passed away, faithful man. To know him, to think he lived for God his whole life, but he was backslid from age 13 to age 40. But when he got in, there was no sign of transgression. Am I telling the truth, Brother Clark? Love God with all of his heart. I don't care how many decades you've been gone. When God says go home, come home. Get out of there. That captivity is not meant forever. Come on. In Exodus, the Bible says, by the reason of their affliction, they cried unto him. And he sent him a preacher and caught him out. Be seated a few more minutes and I'll be done. Everybody say, Gabriel shows up first. At the end of his prayer meeting, the archangel himself, Gabriel, who oversees one-third of the angels of heaven, a ministering spirits, ministering angels, shows up to him and communes with him. He talks with him and Matter of fact, he gives a, a great prophecy of the Messiah that will come. Because Daniel was a prophet, not of just his day, but of the end time. Chapter 10 starts this way. Verse 1. Some believe it was three, three years later, maybe four. On a timeline, I'm not 100% sure in this moment, but I know this was at the end of their captivity. In the year of Cyrus... Third year Cyrus, king of what? A thing was revealed in Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And uh, he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, he said, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Had no caffeine. Anybody still alive? There's a few not here today. I wonder if they died. I don't know. I just maybe they died of caffeine. I don't know. Fast hadn't been hard, but fast has been right. This week, no meat. I'm I'm terrified. I'll be driving down the road looking at the cows. Can I get a witness for somebody? You never look at chickens the same at these moments. And he understood. Everybody say, understanding the times. In those days, I, Daniel was mourning. He's crying, he's grieving. Three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine to my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all. Till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the river, which is called Hideko, 
Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, behold, a certain man clothed in linen. He talks about this an, an angelic experience that, that happens, and a voice begins to speak to him. And he said, I, I was there trembling. He took his hand and picked me up, and put on my hands and knees, and he picked me up, and I was terrified what was going on. He said, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Number one, hear me. All of a sudden, there will become a great spirit of prayer that will come to you. It's not you just do it to do it, but a burden of prayer, a spirit of prayer comes to you. You start mourning and grieving over, they don't belong here. They, they don't belong in Babylon. That's, his prayer is not just praying to pray. He's got purpose. I, I, this, this past week, I, ran, I was in the airport on Tuesday, and here came Evander Holyfield, great boxer. He's a champion. I promise you, he didn't just show up at the ring prepared months to fight and knocked out Mike Tyson. Let me remember that. He didn't just show up in the ring and eat a bunch of potatoes and sleep in every day. He prepared for the fight. The Bible says, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Somebody said they saw somebody on a bridge one time and and they, they went and looked, and this guy was just, nobody was around. There was no crowd. There was no stadium. Said, said they saw this number just back and forth. So they, they stopped to see who it was, and it was George Foreman. You know what he was doing? When nobody was looking, he was preparing himself for a fight. That's what Daniel was doing. When nobody was looking, he was preparing himself for a fight. Because Darius, Nebuchadnezzar, kings of Persia, you've had them long enough. I'm going to fight, and come on, there's a fight coming up on me. I appreciate Gabriel, the nice one, but something's come over me, a warring something. They don't belong here. Can I tell you that Gabriel will come and bring a message? God has heard you. This is going on. There's, there's, there's power in this, but there's a moment that the messaging angel, you got to realize the devil does not want to let them go. But I believe God's about to humble the enemy. Do you hear me? God's about to humble the enemy. I'm telling you, God knows how to humble the enemy. And when he, when he shows up, then, then said he unto me, three weeks, how do, we, how do we war in the spirit? Through fasting and prayer. We begin to seek the Lord. We begin to bind. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be what? I got a little bit of rush coming on me right now. I don't, I don't want to rush past this because I'm nervous about y'all thinking I preach too long. But I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I know what time it is. I can see the clock right now. They're coming out. But he, you got to understand there's more than just going to church. I feel like there, there's a fighter coming up in somebody that says, you can't keep them. The 70 years is up. You've had them long enough. It's time to let them go. It's time to let them go. Come on now, jump to your feet and help me as I close this message. I want you to look at three people and tell them they are coming out. They're coming out. Hell or high water, they're coming out. No we weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Rejoice not against me, O oh mine enemies, for when I fall, I shall rise. Seventy years is long enough. But sin has been long enough. The backslidden state is long enough. 
What are you doing, Pastor? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm rolling up my sleeves this morning. Because I understand we got Gabriel moments where God has heard our repentance. But this prayer is different than repentance. It's not about repenting now. It's about taking authority. I've repented. I've asked God to forgive. I've asked God to send grace and mercy. But there's a problem between chapter 9 and chapter 10. You know what it is? The king didn't want to let him go. Let my people go. Not let them go. Aren't you glad there was a Moses that rolled his sleeves up and said, you don't want to mess with what I'm doing. God put authority on him. I believe in a generation that was hung up and shook up and detoured by a hippie move in the 1960s against the ways of God. There have been years of confusion and chaos. But I believe there's getting ready to be a turn. I don't think it, I know it. I prophesied to you, write it in your Bible. There's about to be an exodus. You know what God does? He sees who's going to be on his side. He calls Daniels in that season. He calls Daniels. He, he called Jeremiah for his season. He called Ezekiel for his season. But then there's a Daniel generation. The Daniel generation is called to not just repent, but to war. So Daniel, the angel shows up and said, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. I heard you on the first day. Your prayers were heard on the first day. He said, and I am come for thy words or thy prayers. But the prince of the king, kingdom of Persia withstood me. He's not willing to let him go. 21 days. But lo, Michael. Michael's over another third of the angels. Michael's not a ministering angel. He's a warring angel. He's got fight in him. He's got a sword in his hand. He's over the angelic host. I believe when David said, you come to me a sword, a spirit, and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That wasn't Gabriel's angels. That was warring angels. That was Michael's angels. Do you believe the angels work with you when you pray? Somebody shout amen. amen. He came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. He said, now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. He said, I am going to tell you what's going to happen. The scripture goes on down and says, Verse 21, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, that there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. He said, I have sent Michael to help you war against those things that will not let them go. You've chastened yourself. You're chasing your kids, but in fasting you're chasing your body. And you're saying, no, you're getting under discipline. You're going to do what's right. I realize not everybody understands fasting, prayer. Fasting is not about moving God. It's getting in a place where you can hear what God is hearing and see what God is seeing. Clear? God has sent me to this Sunday morning to tell you there's an exodus. He's heard our supplications. But right now we're entering a season of spiritual warfare. We're going to bind everything that has bound our family. We're going to bind the king of Persia. 
You believe we have the authority to do that? Huh? And we're going to loose everything he's bound. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil lost the keys to his own house. Amen. We have to worry about him. We're going to take authority. Lift your hands to the Lord. By the authority of the word of God. And the power of the name of Jesus. Standing on the truths of your holy word. I take authority of every spirit that has held the saints of God captive. I remove every blinder that has hid their eyes from seeing the truth. Today, I bind every sickness in the name of Jesus. I bind every addiction in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of deception in the name of Jesus. Right now, I loose every saint of God from the captivity of the enemy. I loose joy into their life. I loose the gift of repentance back to the body. I loose a spirit of prayer to every believer. I loose a spirit of faith to come to everyone. Oh, Lord, that they can respond like they used to. I pray right now a spirit of supplication. A spirit of intercession would come to the body. I wish somebody would lift your voice right now in this building. Hallelujah. I plead the blood over every saint of God in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over every backslider in the name of Jesus. Lord, let there become a great indrawing right now. Lord, during these weeks of fasting and prayer, let there be a revival kind of backsliders and prodigals. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want you to take a piece of paper. I don't have it. If you've got a piece of paper somewhere, I want you to write down the name of somebody that you love. You're going to plead their cause. You're going to go into spiritual warfare. We're not adding to the fast. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. But some of you got loved ones that are in the, seem the grasp of the hands of the enemy. I'm telling you, God's about to turn it around. If you believe it, say amen. I preach everything God has given me. Somebody shout Gabriel, then Michael. Everybody shout repentance, warfare. You believe you have power to bind? You believe you have power to loose? I can't pray for every family. I just, somebody right here one time, I said, what do you want God to do for you? She said, I want God to save the world. Wouldn't that be nice? You know what God does? He puts people in your circle that you have a burden for. And you start getting a burden for them. Start praying, God, I, I, I bind everything coming against them. I bind every situation in their life. I bind the drought. I bind the sword. I bind these things in their life. Oh, God, I lose faith. How many believe the Lord can do that? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to write the name of a loved one. If not, I want you to put it in your hand and say, God is about to set my family free. I feel it so strong. I don't mean to take time. I know what I feel. I know what hour it is. I've seen God do it before. He's about to do it again. God has not given up on our country. He has not given up on Generation X or Z. There's about to be a revival among them. 
His light's going to shine on them again. He's going to open the windows of heaven and pour His Spirit upon a generation. If you believe it, let there be a hearty amen in this room. If you have a loved one, if you have a loved one right now that you, you, are, you, you feel a burden for, you, you, have, you, have, you have prayed, you've sought God for, you've been desperate in moments for, like Daniel, fasted, sought God, I want you to come to this altar. I want you to come all over the building. Every great revival starts with you. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's what Daniel did. Get as close to the altar as you can. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I'm so moved in my soul. I am. I'm so moved in my soul. I want you to bring that name. I want you to bring that family member. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming. Joy is coming. There's an exodus. There's going to be a call home. God's going to send people to them. He's going to reveal His name. He's going to reveal His mercy. He's going to reveal His grace. On. The Bible says, call upon the Lord while He is near. Would you begin to lift your voice with passion? Come on, as a fervent prayer warrior of supplication. God, I don't want them to be lost. I don't want them to be lost. Oh God, their heart has been hard in their way. That's shame, but I don't want them to be lost. Oh, that's it. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.